Today we finish our overview of the spiritual life and the five areas we need to focus on if we want to see consistent progress in Christ-likeness. Welcome to Run With Horses. My name is Norman and my goal is to help you thrive as a follower of Jesus. The spiritual battles we face are very real, but the battles of the future will require you to be growing and trusting God even more today than you have in the past. Your spiritual life is your life. Now, we may try to break it into different parts to better understand it or to apply intentional efforts to grow and to change, but our life is unified in Christ. Everything matters. So we have been looking at our life in some of these big categories to help us understand and maybe think about different areas of life and how they impact and relate to our overall spiritual growth. We've looked at our mental life including our education, but really thinking about how our choices come into play, how we think and how we act and feel all comes into play and how we handle stress and how we relate to others, and particularly in how we make those choices that are going to help us to grow or put us in a difficult place. We looked at our physical life. You know, we're physical beings. We have bodies. We have pain. We have uh, joy. We have physical needs. And we don't have a lot of control over a lot of our physical life. You don't get to choose how tall you're going to be. You don't get to choose your ultimate um, maximum physical strength or speed. A lot of those limitations God has given us. But the choices you make do influence your health and your ability. Exercise and diet are key. And our physical life does impact our ability to handle stress, our ability to be prepared for the work that is in front of us. So it is important. We are relational beings. You know, we talked about how as humans we are interconnected. Our family, our community are so important to us because we are humans. God created us this way. We require people to be emotionally healthy, to be uh, healthy in every area of life. There are ways that people build into and encourage us and help us. Mentors, coworkers, friends, we need people. Our emotional life, often we wouldn't necessarily separate this from our mental life, but I like to separate mental more into the the thought and educational aspect and emotional more into our, our feelings, our emotional intelligence, and some of the things like emotional regulation, uh, gratitude, empathy, kindness we've talked about that, that help us relate to other people better. So the key really takeaway when we think about our emotions is that they don't lead, they are important. They do help us understand something about ourselves. maybe understand something about some relationships that we have, but they shouldn't be leading us. They should be indicating maybe what we're thinking or how we feel about a certain uh, person or a certain uh, responsibility. So we take them as markers and they may help us to make decisions and understand what we really want. But often we need to ask deeper questions when we recognize emotion we may feel like is negative. We looked at our physical health. You know, we we do have... Well, we already looked at that. Okay, moving right along. So today we're looking at our spiritual life. This is the totality of all this, the life we live in Jesus. Uh, you know, we are in communion with God. That is primarily what we think of our spiritual life. We, we tend to think of it only as our relationship with God, but it does include 
everyone around us, our, our community, our spiritual community around us. It does include our prayer, which we obviously see that as a spiritual component, but it includes our Bible reading, which may be a mental aspect. Uh, it might also include, uh, when we think about our spiritual community, our emotions. We have feelings about people that are in our spiritual community. It would also include the experiences we have, the trials that you come through help shape you and guide you. Uh, they make you who you are. And that's one reason why when we look at trials, we have to understand that God uses those. They're intentional. They're meant to be part of our spiritual life, our spiritual journey. And we want to recognize that and embrace the lessons that God's teaching us. So today we're looking at our spiritual life. We'll start out by looking at 1 Peter 2, 2 to 5. It says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as a living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, there is a lot in there for us to to unpack, and uh, we're not really going to do a a super deep dive into this, but we wanted to see some of these key themes. It does tell us there that we should desire to know His Word. Part of that is we get to know Him. We, We want to know Him. And he has given us his word so that we can know him. And you can't know God unless he reveals himself. And he has done that. We should desire to know him and to know him more, to know him well. It's one reason why we think about uh, Bible studies being such an important part of our Christian life. You know, we should desire to read the Bible uh, regularly, daily, because it's part of our interaction with God. It's part of getting to know God. If you equate it to, you know, when you're in high school and you have a boyfriend or girlfriend and they write you a letter, you want to pour over that letter and really look in, look in that letter to understand the person who wrote it and know more about them, know what they said, but also to learn about the person. Well, that's the way we pour over God's Word. We do want to understand what he tells us to do, what he says that helps us understand our life. But we also want to understand him, the God behind the words or the God in the words. We really need to desire him. And here we have in this passage, it's like the baby desires milk. You know, the the infant can't tell you what they want but they can make it known that I'm hungry, I'm, I'm ready to eat, I need, I need milk, I, they need to grow. We desire and need God's Word in the same way. You know, it says, desire the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. We, we grow as we spend time in God's Word. There are a lot of different ways this happens. When we think about these different areas of life we've looked at, and we've talked about our mental health, our thought process, our ability to... I develop a worldview that is consistent with God's Word comes from spending time in God's Word. It really comes from meditating on what God has to say, thinking about it, 
looking at our life, looking at the world around us and comparing it back to Scripture. And constantly, as you learn and grow, you go back and look at Scripture and say, what does God have to say? How does this work in God's economy? What does God say about whatever it is we're thinking about? This process of consistently meditating over and mulling over God's Word, reading it and thinking about it, chewing on it, is how our, our worldview changes. As we know God more, as we love Him more, as we desire Him more, as we spend more time with Him, then His Word is powerful and it changes us to be like Him. And it goes on and says, you know, we, we come to Him and we're being changed by Him. We're growing. And it says in verse 4 that we're chosen by God and precious. One of the things that that happens as we understand who God is and we understand what He says about us is that we begin, begin to really know who we are. If we believe what He says about us, then our identity is settled. It's not something that the world can tell you and change for you. I trust what God said about me. He's the one that created me. He's the one that has a, a plan for me, that He's working my life. He's growing me. So this very much relates to my mental health, my emotional health, and my relational health. I'm going to be digging into God's Word, desiring to know who He says that I am, who He says that I should be, what kind of person that He wants me to be. And as I'm growing into that, uh, my identity is settled. I'm not constantly questioning. I'm not easily going to be shaken by whatever the world has to say. And we get that from looking at His Word as we are understand that He chose us. He created us and He chose us for a reason. And you see that even in this passage in verse 5. It says that we're chosen, verse 5, as living stones being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. You see, God's doing something very specific with us. And I like the, the passage when they talk about a spiritual house or a, being a, a temple. You know, you have designs. A carpenter, uh, someone who's building a house, they're going to have a plan. They have a design that they're building to. They know what they're building before they start. They know what they need before they start. They have the materials. They have the plan. Uh, they have the resources, and they know how long it will take and what it will take. And then they begin and follow through. Well, God is doing that in our life. And the thing that should be an encouragement to us is that it's not a surprise to us. We know what direction He's moving us in. He's, he's growing us to be more like Jesus. He tells us what the end result is. This process of sanctification that we talk about sometimes, it is that process of God growing us and changing us, working on us day by day, step by step, trial by trial, to become like Jesus. And one day we'll stand before him and we will be like him. He will complete his work. But we know what he's working on now. So we are like these stones. We're being built in this house. It has a purpose. It has a, a clear design. And even that next phrase when it says a holy priesthood, we have a lot of the hints of what that design is just in that phrase because we have the Old Testament. It's one reason why reading the Bible is so important to us. Yes, I believe primarily the New Testament tells us what it means to, to live in the world today. We're told what kind of person we should be, how the church should be with each other, what our purpose is as the church. 
But we have the Old Testament, and it tells us about the priesthood and how they were intercessors between God and man. And they both taught man about God and what God desired for them, how he desired for them to live. But they also took man's sacrifices and man's request to God and represented a man before God. So we have those same functions in the world today. It is our desire to help build up the church to be what he would have it to be and, and encourage the church through his word, through his design of the church to show this is our purpose. This is why we're here. But also we pray for each other. We go and we are intercessors for each other. So we function in many ways like the Old Testament priesthood. And even that last phrase in the verse 5, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And I think this really is our whole life, is this sacrifice, uh, as Romans 12 talks about. So we are growing. We are maturing. Our life then glorifies God. So all of these areas of our life that we've been talking about, you know, our physical health, our mental health, our relational health, all these things, are part of that. We're not separate beings. There's no one area of life that is not included. It is all included in growing and becoming more like Christ in serving Him. God has designed us. He has created us. He tells us who we are. He tells us what He's doing, made us part of His family. And then all of our actions should be in line with our faith. And that's something that I I think we struggle with often because we separate out maybe work or free time from our spiritual life. So we often compartmentalize and say, well, Sunday, uh, maybe Wednesday night, I give some time to God, but then I have family and work and these other things. And we don't see how all of those things are still part of a life devoted to God. There is no separation. There's no line in between. All of our thoughts, all of our actions, all of our words are part of our service to God. The way that we do our job really does matter. And that's something when we think about our our whole life that's important for us. Let's look over to Colossians 2, verses 6 to 10. It says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Now, here we have some of those same ideas that If we have really come to know Jesus, we should be walking daily. This is how we live. We should be walking in Him, with Him. We're we're rooted and built up in Him. You know, a a plant needs to have a firm anchor, a root, into the ground. That's how it draws up nutrients. It's how it stays uh, anchored in one place so that the winds don't blow it away. Uh, It's how it gathers up water and all that it needs to live. Because it's rooted, it is able to grow. It is then built up. It is able to be established. And we are rooted and built up in Christ. Our faith is established in Him. And as we get to know Him, we should be, what it says here, abounding in our faith with thanksgiving. As we understand what Jesus has done in us, through us, for us, what he's doing with us, that should cause us to to abound in our faith, to really grow in our faith and recognize life's so much more than the little trouble that I have today. You know, often we have little things at work or in our family, and they can cause us real hiccups. Now, I'm not talking about there are major trials that often come our way, 
Okay, that's different. But we often get sidetracked by little things. And it's daily distractions that often are the worst things to keep us from God. We just don't have quite enough time to spend with Him. We're not really deeply rooted and built up and established. So think about that. If you have a plant and it doesn't have a good root system, what happens when a drought comes? Well, it withers and dies. It's not anchored firmly. It doesn't have roots that reach down and and draw up that groundwater. Or you have the wind come and it has very light roots just on the surface. The wind blows it away and the roots dry out and then it dies. The bigger trials are like that for us because day to day we've been tripped up by these little things. We haven't spent time with God. We're not rooted and built up in Him. Then when a big trial comes, we don't have a firm faith. We're not able to abound in our faith with thanksgiving. So the daily choices really do matter if we're going to grow, if we're going to be the person God wants us to be. So you go on in Colossians chapter 2, verse 10 says, You are complete in Him. I think that's an important concept for us to understand. We're not going to be completed by being the best in our work, by even being the best dad. You know, I want, to be a, I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good husband. But I'm not completed because I'm a good husband, because I'm a good dad. I'm complete in Christ. And I can only draw my, my satisfaction, my joy from Him. And as I do that, then I'm going to be a better dad. I'm going to be a better husband. So the desire for each one of us sh- should be to be complete in Him. Uh, and that that's only going to happen as we go back to those basics. I'm spending time with Him. I, I'm spending time in His Word. I'm spending time in prayer. I'm spending time with His family. I'm getting to know His loves, His hates, the things that He uh, cares about. And that makes a difference in my life. So my actions matter every day. My faith is settled and I'm building on it. My faith is vibrant, alive, and it should lead to thanksgiving. That's some of what we get from this passage in Colossians chapter 2. Now, often uh, I talk about Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. It says, And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of all areas for the edifying of itself in love. Now, I think this is an important passage as we think about our spiritual life. And we've primarily talked about all these different areas, and other than our relational health, the rest of them we kind of see as it's, it's primarily about me or my relationship with God. But there's never a time or a context where our relationship with God's family doesn't matter. And here we see the purpose of the leaders of the church, the people God has given the responsibility for the church. Their responsibility is for the equipping of the saints. 
if you are a follower of Christ, you are one of those saints. What are they equipping the saints for? For ministry. Now, one of the weaknesses that we have in the church today is that we have separated out ministry and said that's for these leaders and that's what they're doing and everybody else. Mm, not so much. There are people that participate, there are people that attend, there are people that support, but that's not what this says. Our leaders in the church, their primary responsibility is to equip us for ministry. And if we're doing that well, if the church is functioning as it should, then the body of Christ is growing. It is being uh, unified. We're understanding God better. And in verse 13, it says, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. This is where we get that idea of Christ-likeness. That is the goal. That, that's where we're going in our spiritual life, our spiritual walk. The goal is for you to be more like Jesus. And the church is designed for us to help each other do that. Now, we get distracted. That's part of the problem in the world today. We have so many things going on, and the churches are often so busy with things that are good that we forget what our purpose is. And we have programs that at some point in time, I, I believe most programs were originally designed to fill some role in helping us grow in Christ likeness. But over time, tradition takes over. And you have maybe a program that was designed to help, say, children take some steps in their understanding of who Jesus is and who God is and what it means to, uh, to understand the gospel. But over time, it morphs into something that is maybe just keeping them occupied and allowing the adults to, to do something else. Or even adult Sunday school classes. And you think about the idea of uh, Sunday school and schools meant to educate us. But much like our, our public school system today, which is uh, in a mess in many places, it's not really preparing people for anything. It's, it's giving some basic knowledge, but it's not really preparing you for life. It's not really preparing you uh, to be a worker. It's not preparing you for a career. And it, Sunday school is meant to prepare us to continue in this walk with Jesus to move us toward Christ's likeness. And what it has become, in many cases, is just a time to get some knowledge, some education. Uh, but that's not primarily what the Christian life is. It is uh, all of our life, our actions. There is some knowledge in, involved, but Jesus really talks about obedience and our actions really, really matter. So to grow to the, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that's our goal for each other. Now, how do we do that? And that's what we should be asking as a church. How do we help each other to grow? So it does say in verse 15 that we're speaking the truth in love. So that's part of it, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head. So we want to be truthful with each other. We want to share God's word with each other. We want to each use our gifts. And that's what verse 16 is talking about. So the, the whole body of Christ is, is joined and knit together. And every joint, every part of the body of Christ has a role, and if each part is doing its share, then what does it say there? It causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love, so the building of itself up. This is what we should desire as the church, that we are 
using our gifts to build up the church to become what He intends for us to be. So all areas of life, when they're working well, result in the body of Christ, not just us personally, but the whole body of Christ growing, serving, and building up itself as we become more like Jesus. And as we do that, then the importance of passages like Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20 come into play. It's when Jesus said, you know, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So here we have the, the result of a life dedicated to Christ, the result of a church that is really focused on Him. We understand His authority in our life and in the world, and as we're, as we're going, as we're living, whether that's work, school, community, family, we're doing our part to make disciples. That's pointing people toward Christ. It includes the gospel, but it's not primarily or only knowledge. Verse 20 talks about teaching them to observe, and in this case, it means to, to live out, to obey all the things that I've commanded you. So when we look at the gospels and see the teaching of Jesus, we understand that we're to live out all those things that he taught the disciples as as he's teaching them how to relate to people, how to love people, how to uh, help them understand reconciliation, the opportunity to be reconciled with God. And then he promises us his presence. Lo, I'm with you always. We have his presence as we carry out his work. I think that's important for us to recognize. You know, this is his plan. You think of the way that he he taught the disciples. There is this an aspect of Jesus' ministry where he spoke to thousands of people. You know, people hunted him down to hear him teach because he was an amazing teacher. But then he gathered his disciples into smaller groups where he could actually have a conversation with them. You can't have a conversation with a thousand people, and that's part of what's missing in some of our larger churches. We need mature disciple-makers who are having conversations with individuals. And even if a pastor is a disciple-maker himself, he can't have a conversation with a thousand people, so he has to have prepared other people to have those conversations. And then the church has to be structured where those conversations can take place. So we often, we do the big part. We have the big, big group, and we may even have like a middle-sized group. You know, if you have a church of a thousand people, maybe you have Sunday school classes that that have fifty to a hundred people. Um, but it's not often we get down into the the size groups where we can have a genuine, deep conversation where it is four people, eight people, two people having a conversation that is based around us pursuing Christ ourselves. So a healthy spiritual life, we look at all of these areas we've been looking at, is one that is engaged in the mission of Jesus to take the message of reconciliation to the world. It is what Paul talked about, inviting others to join us as ambassadors for Christ. Now, we've asked this question several times in the last few shows. The question we have to ask ourselves as we think about our future and the trials that are coming is not, you know, where am I going to be when I face the most difficult challenge in my life, but who am I going to be? Who will you be? And I think your spiritual growth uh, 
is dependent upon making the good choices today. So thanks for joining me. If you have thoughts or questions about your spiritual life, write me at norman at runwithhorses.net. I'd love to hear from you. There's no greater adventure than the adventure of faith and pursuing Jesus. So keep running.